talked about waiting this morning and uh, first three sermons that I preached in January were about trusting God, different levels, and uh, so I'm going to continue kind of with that theme. Uh, let me ask you a couple of questions to make you think back. If you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you, but the uh, first three sermons were about trust and basically asked kind of this question, do you put your complete trust in the sovereign God? And sovereignty is a big old word. It's used in the Bible, but it includes all the nature of who God is, all of his holiness, his righteousness, his omniscience, his all power, all knowing. And he repeatedly tells us in the Bible to trust him. Trust the one who created you, your maker. Trust in the one who the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and me. Incredible. He says, trust me. You trust God. It's a deep theological question. It's one you'll be answering the rest of your journey. Trust God. Maybe another way to ask it, and I did, I think, in the second sermon that I preached, we talked about salvation. We trust God for salvation. Do you trust, have you trusted God, your eternal soul, into his keeping? We know the Bible says, God says, every soul is mine, but he tells us we're to give him our soul. Are you saved? Have you trusted Christ for salvation? Have you come to the cross? You must trust Christ for that. So today I want to talk about trusting God in a little different part. Is I want to look at the portion of trust that involves waiting before the Lord. And trusting God, in fact, does oftentimes involve waiting. Many times in the Bible, and I'm only read just a few passages, but many times in the Bible it, it uses the phrase, wait for the Lord, wait upon the Lord. It's not always easy, but we know it's in the Word, and so what's God doing during that time? Is he, is he teaching us anything? And so why, why does he tell us that? Why does God specifically and very intentionally tell us to wait? So let's try to answer some of that today. The first passage I want to go to is Isaiah, the 30th chapter, verse 18. And it starts off with a little interesting twist. So Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait. So sometimes when he waits, then you've got to wait. But he's going to tell us why right off the bat. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. So sometimes he's just wanting to grace you with things that you can't see right now. And I, just like you sometimes, I, come on, Lord. Really? They tell me I'm not the only one that said, thank you, Gail. I got a grin from Gail over here. Yes, sometimes we're like, Lord, please. She's probably grinning about something else. Now I'll put her on the spot. Sorry, Gail. He wants to bless us. The Lord waits so that he may be gracious to you. He's working something out. Then he adds, and therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. Sometimes in our waiting period, God may be waiting because he's going to line things up so that you can receive his mercy. So don't underestimate what God might be doing during that time of waiting. But then he adds the last line in Isaiah 30, 18, for the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are those who wait for him. 
Let's move on to Psalms 27. This is in my top 20 list. I, I, I don't always remember that it's Psalms 27, but I love the, the opening line. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I love that line. And I, I say it even right now with tears in my eyes. I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I love that line. But then added to it, it says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So one of the benefits could be that you're going to get your heart strengthened by the waiting. Those are good benefits. The next passage comes from James. James was talking about the second coming of the Lord. So we're waiting for his second coming. And, and he gave several illustrations. So this is James 5, 7. Gives us an illustration about a farmer. Therefore be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain, and every culture, every people around the world understand somewhat about farming. I have a deep respect for farmers, even to this day. Even though I know today there's pesticides, there's fertilizers, there's tractors, there's harvesters, there's these big, huge combines. Farmers today still have to wait and trust that the seeds that they put in the ground will come up. They have to wait. They hope and pray they come up. And I promise you, they watch the weather report. And they're praying and hoping that cloud that they can see back over this way is going to come over their field. Because they know if they can get an early rain at the right time, it can make a huge difference in the harvest. They also look at the latter rain. It's very critical to them still today. I called a farmer this week. He's a friend of mine, David Sloan. He owns a construction company. He's done well, and now he owns just lots of land and he also leases thousands of acres. He has farmer, um, people that he worked for, and he's got these combines. I've been up in the cockpit. It's like getting in a cockpit, some of those things. The instrument panel. I mean, they have to train people to operate all that stuff, uh, harvesting the cotton and everything. And so I told him I was going to use them in the sermon. I said, I'm going to, I read to him James 5, 7, and, and uh, he said, no, I don't mention my name, but y'all go ahead and tell him if you see him that I mentioned his name. But I said, tell me about, the latter rains. I said, he and I have talked before about planting just because it fascinates me. And I also asked him, I said, I got a question. I live, you know, Horton Bend. Some of you that live down that way, or if you've noticed, there's been quite a few fields that still have cotton in them, which is highly unheard of in January. I don't know if you noticed that. Most time it's gone by November, December, the latest. They harvested one of the fields down by our house just last week. I said, David, what's up with that? Why, why is it why are we waiting? Because it's bound not to produce as much. And he said, well, a lot of it has to do with the rain. Cotton likes dry. So some farmers praying, please, God, don't send the rain on my cotton field. And others are praying that it will. They also have to deal with, he even mentioned to me, I said, well, you know, I, I know a farmer in Crossville had a tornado come through. And then he mentioned hurricanes, David did. And they still, they can, in fact, this happened to one of his, I don't know how many acres, hundreds of acres of corn. During hurricane season, they were about ready to harvest. 
was an early hurricane and dropped torrential rain. So now the roots of the corn were loose and then high winds just laid it down, every bit of the corn, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres. You don't think they wait? You don't think they trust? You don't think they pray? David said, oh, man, I prayed a lot of times for either rain or no rain. So one of the reasons the cotton's still in the field is because there's been heavy ladder rains. They can't get those huge combines in the field, and they got to wait for the right time. God uses this illustration in the Bible to help us understand about the waiting. As a kid, did you get a little Dixie cup and put some topsoil in it and stick a seed down in there, and you'd wait, and you'd look at it every morning and see what came up? Maybe you hadn't done that. Some of you are grinning. You have. But even farmers today, my dad's a great farmer. He, but he'll call me when he plants some barbie. I put that okra in the ground, boy, it came up good. But man, my corn, I, it didn't come up good. I'm plowing it up. I'm going to start all over. I'm going to replow it. So even my dad, 80 years old, looking to see and watch the plants come up, there's just still something about fascinating and waiting for that to see what it'll produce. I planted some seeds in the craft room. I got me some topsoil. And I planted some seeds in there. I put them by the window. I did this on Wednesday, I think it is. So I'm going to run a contest of any of the kids, any of the youth that can name what I planted. Keith Copeland's going to give you $1,000. If you can name it, if you can name what it is, you, you're locked in, 1000 bucks. So just see me if you want to pick, if you want to guess what you think I planted in there in the room. But we're going to have to wait. Find out the answer because it's going to take a while for it to come up. God tells us there's benefits to waiting. Romans 8.25 says this, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait. We wait for it with perseverance. There's just sometimes some things God wants us to wait about, and this is kind of a side note, but why does God ask us to wait? Why does he ask young people to wait regarding sexuality? He does. He tells us, wait. Wait for your husband. Wait for your wife. There's blessing. There's benefit from waiting on God. See, God wants the best for you. Wait, teenagers. Wait. It's worth it. In Lamentations, I read part of the scripture earlier. My wife, Lana, through the years of God's call on my life and different things and dealing with uh, medical issues uh, with our own family members, our son, Dave. Here's a scripture that one of Lana's go-to scriptures. It's Lamentations, the third chapter, verses 22 through 26. I want to read all of it to you. You may have this on your refrigerator. If you don't, I recommend it or put it in there in the bathroom. There may be a time on the mirror when you're getting ready that morning you need to quote this. Lamentations 3. 22 through 26. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. That's a, we're not consumed. You ever feel like sometimes you just, you feel consumed? But because of God's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good. He's good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What are you waiting for? Has God got you in a time of waiting? I pray that the Holy Spirit will encourage you this morning with 
God may be having mercy that he's going to pour out on you. He's got some graciousness that he wants, he wants to bless you. I wrote this in the 3D, and uh, most of you know that I am fascinated, passionate about, and enjoy the American wild turkey. Not the kind that you drink, but the kind that has feathers. I love turkey hunting. I love it. I've, I've met a lot of good godly people in that. Uh, we've got to get one for trip. Uh, we're going to go again, brother, but we've come close. But I love being outside as part of it. I just, there's something so neat about being out early in the morning. And I like being alone by myself in the woods sometimes, just dark, and you're waiting. Yes, I'm waiting for the, to hear something. But waiting for the sun to come up. A lot of times when I read in the Psalms, I can see why the psalmist wrote some of the things he did out there with the sheep at night and gazing up at the stars and looking at the moon knowing the one who created them all and waiting for the sun to rise in the morning. I've had some of the most beautiful worship experiences being out in the woods by myself, glorifying and praising the God who created me and watched the mist and the early morning fog and the sun come up. Let me tell you something fascinating because I read up on the wild turkey. The hen, when she begins to lay her eggs, will have to sit on those eggs for 26 days. Give or take a day or two, but about 26 days. And did you know that the turkey doesn't have a nest? Each evening, they just fly up and roost in a tree. They'll hang on to a limb and just sleep up there all night, and then they pitch out at sunrise the next morning. They do that. All of them you see in Country Club and all of them, I know they're semi-tame. But they still fly up in a tree every evening somewhere. Not always the same tree. Sometimes they'll get near. But wherever they're at, the lead bird will say it's time. And everybody flies up and sits on there. But during the season of them laying their eggs in the springtime, the hens will go and lay 10 to 13 eggs. And their nest is on the ground. I've walked up on them before. They'll stay on that nest, hunkered down, right till you get up extremely close to them. And when a large female turkey starts flapping and coming up, I've had to almost change my britches a couple of times. So I've seen eggs on the ground, and it amazes me that any of them can survive. But the colors of her coat and everything, and she lays perfectly still, even if a predator comes close. And she sits on those eggs, waiting. Sometimes she will sit on there for days and never get up, depending on if she gets a rain or a dew in the morning so she can get something to drink. But generally, they get up about 30 minutes to an hour each day, but 23 hours pretty much, all night long, just sitting and waiting for 26 days. And finally, she feels movement. She feels maybe a, a beat hitting on the shell or a leg, stretching out. And she gets up. She's waited. Now, I don't know if a turkey mama hen can smile, but I figure that'd be a good moment right there for them. God asks us to wait. And sometimes it's simply because he wants to bless us. Contemplate this for a moment. When you know God has you, in a place of waiting. 
That is a powerful time to be open to and listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. I truly believe, and this is true in my life too, I truly believe that oftentimes we miss blessings and or an opportunity of obedience. Because sometimes God is causing us to wait, not necessarily just to, to bless us, but because he has something he wants us to do, and we're going to have to wait and then be obedient at the right time. A lot of times that happens during the waiting. In Romans 8, 28, some of you know this, you perhaps quoted it, all things work together for good. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So sometimes in the waiting, God has some purposes he's working out. You may not see it all the time, but God's working all that. It doesn't say everything good's going to happen. It says all things work together for good. The ultimate outcome is that good will come from it if you're waiting and seeking before God. So try to discipline yourself during the waiting to see God, S-E-E, -E, see God, but also to seek God. A lot of times I go, God, I, I complain. And I've tried to learn, and I'm still learning in this process, that when I get frustrated, I have to quicken myself to listen to the Spirit of God and realize, oh my goodness, God, you're doing something. I may not know exactly what it is, but I realize now, your hand, you're working, you're doing something. And so, God, I trust you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for your blessing. Remember in the book of Daniel? Remember one of the times when Daniel had prayed and he felt like the Lord didn't hear him? And 21 days, I think it is later, I don't even know what chapter it is, but you may remember the story, and God said, oh, Daniel, I heard you the moment you prayed. And God was working things out in the spirit world. It's one of the few times in the Bible that he mentions Michael, the archangel, and they were setting things up, and they were warring in heaven during that wait. Don't underestimate what God may be doing that you can't see so there's reasons why he asks us to wait. It may be that he wants to bless us. So a question is, is waiting one of the disciplines in your spiritual life? If not, I recommend it. Isaiah 40, 31, one of the most memorized verses in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 31. For those who wait on the Lord, for those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mount up, run, walk. These verbs give a vivid picture of the spiritual transformation that comes through those who wait. Part of trusting God sometimes involves waiting. But again, look at the benefits. I go back and I close with this in Psalms 27, verses 13 and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Y'all know I also quote, and I usually quote these two together over in 2 Timothy 1.12. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that God's able. God's able to keep that, which I have committed unto him until that day. God's able. That's what the psalmist is saying. I would have lost heart and but I know the goodness of the Lord and see it in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So I translate that to mean this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just give God time to answer. Are you waiting before the Lord? There's blessings.
to those who wait. Let's pray together. God, we love you and praise you. We thank you, God, for your word. And God, I'm honest with my brother and sister. Sometimes this waiting thing, I'm not good at it. So I repent of that. I pray for my brothers and sisters myself that we will be open to your spirit to be still and know that I am God during those times and realize you're working. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you encourage us to trust you and to wait before you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You know, the first coming of Jesus, the angels were waiting for the first coming, and now here we are on this side of the New Testament, and we're waiting for his second coming. And Benny and I were in the hallway just a few moments ago, and uh, Tyler mentioned something about Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and uh, so me and Benny said, let's do it. So we're going to change the closing hymn, and we're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. If you're visiting with us and you think we're nuts, we're almost February, 